Welcome in once again, Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. This is the second time I have interviewed our next guest, Carla Wadega, but of course, the first time you're hearing it. Interview one had several audio issues that were impossible to overcome. So we gave it another try recently, and what you're about to hear represents the quality you're used to from this podcast. One point of clarification before we get into the show this week is that since the first interview, Carla has had a change in her bio that I failed to mention in the introduction. In addition to what I mentioned in the intro coming up, Carla is now the Director of Organizational Development for her company. I wanted to make sure we were accurate with her title. Okay, let's get into the interview. As the Director of Organizational Development with Pradco, Carla has a lot of interactions with clients and one common theme that she realizes is that the key to your career is having confidence. And unfortunately, this is a struggle for some folks. If this is something you struggle in as well, you'll want to listen. Also, we have extras from Carla. All you have to do is be a patron to get them. Details are at the top of womenreallymeanbusiness.com. And it's no more expensive monthly than a single latte at your favorite coffee house. Okay, let's get into episode 61 now. Welcome to Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International, the podcast that tells you the story of how women are impacting business one guest at a time. Now here's your host, Jeff Bolitnikoff, with another successful woman and her unique business journey. Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International. I'm Jeff Blitnikoff, and I have on the line with me, she is an executive coach and senior management consultant with Pradco in Cleveland, Ohio. And you might want to know exactly what she does. And I have to tell you that it centers on storytelling and being able to effectively communicate within and without the organization. I'm not sure if that sounded good or not, Carla, but you know what? I'm going with it. It's Carla. Wadega. Sounds great, Jeff. All right. Absolutely. All right. Well, you know, if you're not going to be truthful at the first part of the year, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but at any rate, Carla and I go back a long ways. You may be able to tell by our banter here. We work together at the ABC affiliate in Erie, Pennsylvania, where Carla was a main anchor. She's got a lot of varied experience that has brought her to this place. But uh, Carla, I'm going to bring you in right now, welcome you, and have you tell your story. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Jeff. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a fan of the podcast and your work, and so really happy to be part of it right now. So thanks for this opportunity. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you mentioned I, uh, I'm at Pradco. I'm the director of organizational development, which means I'm responsible for the OD work that we do. And that encompasses a variety of women's leadership training options. That's really where I spend a lot of my time. We also work outside of that women's leadership realm. We train teams to perform at a higher level. We help new managers hone their leadership skills and learn that difference between doing versus leading, which can be a big challenge when you're new in a management role. And we tackle all kinds of other topics like accountability and conflict resolution, impactful communication, interpersonal styles, how to relate better with other people, unconscious bias, and managing change is a big one that we uh, have focused on lately. Have you ever heard of the term VUCA? No, actually, what, what does that mean? 
Yeah, VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And we found that so many of our clients are swimming in this sea of VUCA right now. So we thought that we should offer some training on how to manage it. So that's a big uh, focus for us lately. Now, what's not necessarily apparent in my title is that I'm also responsible for our coaching practice. And you mentioned I'm an executive coach and many of the programs that I just mentioned include coaching in them, but we do standalone coaching engagements for development as well. And another piece of what we do is assessments. And the assessments play a large role in our coaching practice because they provide the data on the behaviors our clients are emphasizing. So from that, we can help them leverage their strengths and focus more energy on the skills they want to develop. So that's where I'm at today. Now, you mentioned I started out in broadcasting and I loved broadcasting. I was a television news anchor in both Montana and Pennsylvania, did that for about a decade. And I really thought I'd do that for my entire career, but I kind of saw that the industry was going in a direction that I didn't necessarily want to follow. And you have two choices when that happens, right? You have to either go with it or, or make a change. And I, I made a change. I was more interested in using my journalism degree less for infotainment, but maybe more for communications. So I went into the sister field of PR and had a great career serving university presidents and national policymakers. And it was when I was developing my own leadership capabilities that I was approached about a master's program I really hadn't heard of. I was already considering an MBA, but really couldn't commit at the time, just wasn't sold. And so I learned about this master's of organizational development and change leadership that came with certifications in executive coaching, appreciative inquiry, and emotional intelligence for business at Case Western Reserve University. And I was intrigued. So I think you know the rest. Uh, I went into that, got that education, and that's when I was able to direct Leadership Cleveland, which is a community leadership program. There are lots of these around the country. Leadership Cleveland's one of the best in the country, I must say, and it helps C-suite leaders focus on community leadership. I love that job, but I still had a desire to work one-on-one -on -one with people, to help people be their best selves. And I'm able to do that now through my role at Pradco. So I've done a couple of career pivots. They've all added up to a great life and great experience. And I leverage all of it with what I do today. Well, and there's so many things to talk about here, but one thing I want to focus on is maybe let's take it to the client level, because you just mentioned one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. So maybe you can talk about the aha moments that people are able to achieve by receiving coaching or being able to encounter Pradco and to what, how it really helps them and positively impact them in their organization. I'd love to hear some of those stories. Oh yeah, sure. Thanks Jeff. Yeah. You know, I, that's my favorite part of what I do is when I'm talking to someone and I see the light bulb go off and they realize in that moment, oh my goodness, this is going to change my life. And it may be the smallest tip. I, I don't want to take too much credit for changing people's lives. That, that sounds like a little much. But what I mean by that is just the help that they get through a coach can be so powerful when we help them see things that maybe just weren't apparent. Or a lot of times we'll talk to someone who will say, 
I know this thing has been getting in my way for years and I just don't know how to fix it. I want to fix it. I just don't know how. And so it's those moments when I get a lot of gratification with what I do because you really are helping someone to take themselves to the next level, to achieve something they felt they couldn't. Maybe they felt stuck. Maybe they felt like I've always been this way. There's no way that I can be another way. I'm too old to learn new tricks, so to speak. And that's just not true. I see it time and time again. Uh, sometimes, you know, people have to, to really see maybe the bottom before they come up on the other side, but others, it's just about pointing out something that no one else had, uh, giving them an idea of what's really going on because of that position as their coach provides a little license to say, Hey, here's something I've observed. Here's something that's in your assessment. And I've also observed you, you doing something that's consistent with that. And I'd like to give you a coaching tip. And then you kind of expand on what you see. And uh, that's just, that's why I do it. That's why I do it. It's, it's amazing. What would you like to tell the leaders listening right now that are managing their own organizations? What are some things that they should know about this dynamically changing environment that we're in? In Well, as we're recording this, it's 2019. We're on the cusp of 2020. So what would you like to say to leaders that are listening right now? Yeah, we hear from people with their boots on the ground, so to speak, saying the target keeps moving. I don't know what success looks like anymore. We are moving at an exponentially faster pace than we've ever moved before. Uh, we have our, our, our hands in a lot of pots. We're unfocused. We are doing a lot of things, and it's hard to know what's going to pay off, what direction we should be going, and where I should be spending my time, where I should be prioritizing. And it's, it's those folks, and I'm sure people listening can relate to at least a piece of that, who could really benefit from learning more about managing this environment? Because there really are some key behaviors that go into being a VUCA resilient uh, organization, and then also being a VUCA resilient person. And a lot of it has to do with learning agility and being able to have that growth mindset where you realize that your abilities and your talents are not fixed. What's possible is endless. If you can find new ways of behaving, new ways of doing things, being innovative, using your resources, leveraging other people around you, collaborating, whatever it takes to make sure that you're not getting stagnant. Because if you're not moving ahead, you're moving backwards in today's environment. We try to help people with that. On a personal level, I wanted to talk to you about the change that you made, and I think you went through your, and it's VUCA, right? Vu mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. So you went through your own VUCA, and you mentioned that earlier in the interview when you decided to change your career, which could not have been easy. Uh, I have personal knowledge of your situation because we're coworkers in that you were well-respected, could have stayed there for years, could have moved up to other markets. You're a very talented anchor. And to be Thank able you. to take, a, you're welcome. And it's absolutely true. But to be able to take a couple steps back, get training, reorient your career, that's something that I, well, A, maybe you could tell me the difficulties that you had and how you overcame them. But B, uh, I would imagine that helps you as you're coaching people through their own rapid change right now. Yeah, absolutely. Very insightful, Jeff. Thank you. I was in a role 
when I was a news anchor where my life was very tightly wound together with my job. My identity was heavily heavily weighted on what I did for a living. Uh, It's not like I could go to the grocery store and pretend that I was someone else, right? And so at any given time, I could find myself involved in work when I was not necessarily on the clock or thinking about work. And so to, and and I want to be clear, I, I accepted that as part of the role. I'm not trying to paint that as a negative thing, but after a while, it became apparent to me that I might like things a little bit different. And when I did make the change and switch that off, so to speak, that was also an adjustment to find out that, you know, people cared less <laughs> about what I was buying at the grocery store, right? Because uh, it just didn't matter anymore. I didn't have that role anymore. And so I think phase one was getting over the initial shock and saying, okay, what's my new identity? What's my ideal self and how do I get there? What are the gaps I need to fill? And how do I ensure that I am becoming what it is I aspire to? And then actually doing that. And I have to say there is power in positive visioning. There's power in writing things down, having a journal and making some notes. There's power in going through just the simple exercise of writing down, who am I today? What are my actual attributes and and maybe even some negative things? You know, this is this is how I am today, good, bad or otherwise. And how would I like to be and writing that down? What am I doing? Who am I doing it with? How do I do it? Where do I work? Where do I live? What's that look like? And then putting those together and seeing what's in the middle. How do I fill that space, those gaps in getting from point A to point B. And once you have that in front of you, it's not necessarily that hard. It becomes pretty clear, well, if I want to go to that from this, I'm going to have to do A, B, or C, or maybe all of the above. And that's when it starts to get real. When you can articulate to yourself the steps needed to go from point A to point B, now the only thing getting in your way is, are you ready? Are you willing to take those steps? If the answer is yes, you're going to get there. So I think that I had some experience in my past that allowed me to do that. And I think that anybody can do it. But this kind of goes back to one of the topics that is near and dear to my heart. And you know this, Jeff, it's it's confidence and women having enough. I mentioned that we do a lot of women's leadership programming at Pradco and the top feedback that we get from the women in the program is I wish I had more confidence. And I think what a lot of women don't understand, at least at first, is that confidence can be built. You don't have to be born with it. It comes through practice and action. And I had taken some calculated risks in my past. I I mean, they were risks nonetheless, but I thought things through and thought this this could work out. I'm going to go for it. And I'd done that enough times to see that it could work out. 
And that is the kind of behavior that builds confidence. And that's harder to do as we get older, but not impossible. It can be done and you can start small. It doesn't have to be the big life-changing decision. It could be small things, behaving a little bit differently with the boss, managing up a little bit differently, behaving a little bit differently at home with different relationships that you have and showing a little more confidence and doing things a little differently. And fun fact, a lot of women that I talk to have no problem with their confidence in leading their household. It's when they get to work that things change. So I try to encourage them to lead at work like they do at home because those skills are transferable. So anyway, long-winded answer to your question, Jeff. I think that there are a lot of things that women can do to build confidence. They don't just have to, to wait for it to arrive. And that will help them in uh, pivoting if they're feeling like it's time for a change, but they're just feeling like maybe they're not quite ready. Well, maybe what they need to do is build their confidence muscles up a little bit, and then they will be ready. Well, we just have a few minutes left, and I do want to get to a couple other questions, but real quick, I would like to know, what are like Carla's top three things for women to build confidence? What are three things that you would like to tell women right now that they should be doing to build up that confidence muscle, as you say? Yeah, so I have my own acronym, and it's VIMBL, which is V-I-M-B-L. It's uh, non-scientific, but it's mine. And what it stands for is visualization, inner monologue, and body language. So I'll unpack those. Uh, Visualization is seeing yourself in a positive light. And when you have something tough coming up, something that is shaking your confidence, visualizing it going really, really well, just see it going your way. And your brain doesn't know the difference between that visualization and it actually happening. So what that amounts to is practice. And we all know we feel more confident after we've practiced something. So being able to just take a little quiet time to see yourself succeeding can be a really, really powerful thing. On the inner monologue thing, now that's about speaking to yourself like you would a friend. We can be so unforgiving with ourselves. We can say things in our heads that we would not think of saying to someone we cared about. We just wouldn't do it. So why do we do it to ourselves? That has an impact. You are, when you don't speak kindly to yourself, it, 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 it can feel just as hurtful as if someone else said those words. And I don't think that's fair. I think we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice if we are not managing our inner monologue to be more of a friend. And last, the body language piece, which I strongly believe in. There's research out there that is discovering that not only can body language project things about you, and I think most of us know your body language does speak volumes and other people can read it and take away some things by the way that you're standing or sitting or behaving. But what a lot of people are just learning is that your body language also affects how you feel about yourself. It can go the other way. And so... If you've heard of doing the Wonder Woman stance, I recommend that. It's where you just kind of stand with your hands on your hips for a couple of minutes before a high stakes uh, situation or maybe a job interview, something like that. That gets 
all the testosterone flowing in your body, which, you know, is a great confidence builder. It also lowers cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And who needs that? So what a small thing to do with such a big payoff. Take up a little more space, spread yourself out. It feels good. I mean, you might not want to exhibit some of these body language things in all situations, but there are appropriate times where you can, you know, Start to act and look a little more confident simply by the way you're positioning your body. I I do it. I think it works. All right. Final few questions here. And by the way, I love your acronym. And to me, it sounds very scientific. At any rate, you gave a very scientific answer because I think those are all things that will help everybody listening right now, including myself. So let's let's talk about resources. Um, I'm certainly going to have a link to Pradco in your show notes and ways for people to get a hold of you. But uh, tell me about some other resources that you might recommend. Well, you know, I'm passionate about confidence and there's a great book by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman called The Confidence Code. And I recommend that to people, not just women. It is written definitely with uh, the mind toward women as the audience, but I've recommended it to men too. It's a great book. Talks about the science behind confidence and, and ways that you can build it. Love that book. I also would say the book Crucial Conversations can be a real game changer because it is a great handbook on how to prepare yourself for the conversations no one wants to have. And these can be the tough ones you don't see coming, or they can be planned as well, where maybe you're expecting a little bit of resistance. And it's a great way to learn how to get to yes, how to get what you want, how to meet the person where they are, where everyone feels like they're winning, not that it's a zero-sum game. All right. Last question. I'm going to give the floor back to you, or I should say I'm going to give you the microphone and then you'll have the floor. At any rate, the podcast is now yours. What would you like to say to the audience? I would really appreciate um, that women are so powerful and I love that they are working together more than I've ever seen in my lifetime, that women are appreciating the power of the pack. They're coming together. They're lifting each other up. They realize that supporting one another is the tide that lifts all boats. And I would just say, keep doing it. Uh, we, I mentioned before, Jeff, this is not a zero sum game life, right? If you're, if you're winning, that doesn't mean I'm losing. We can both win together. And I, I just love when I see it in action and I love being part of it myself. Well, I got to tell you, Carla, that I am winning. And so are the listeners for the fact that you spent time with us this week. And thank you so much. Really appreciated it. Thank you, Jeff. My pleasure. On the next episode of Women Really Mean Business, presented by Athena International, Christy Ganibus is a teacher, blogger, and candidate for U.S. Congress. And through past challenges, she's chosen to be a positive force in her community and believes connecting with others is more important than competition. Here's a bit from Christy. Competition is not as important as we were taught growing up. I just remember, and I think probably you and most people remember, how much we were forced to think that competition was so important. And I mean, in a healthy way it is, but really, when I stopped thinking about competing with others and more about connecting with others, I realized it. I've grown leaps and bounds, and I've, I've gotten further than ev- I ever have. 
So instead of competing, especially with other women, we need to start empowering each other. We would love to have you in our Facebook group. Plus, could you like our Facebook page too? Put Women Really Mean Business presented by Athena International into your Facebook search bar and help us positively shape this podcast. 